Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. I am so grateful that you are with me this week. I have a special treat for you today. I am with Nancy Banzut, who is with Catholic Sprouts. And I'm going to let Nancy tell you a little bit about her story and this beautiful ministry that she has. But one of the things that we are going to talk about today is Catholic social teaching. It's a topic that many of us have heard. Uh, We hear it in different places, but we're going to dive in today and talk about what is Catholic social teaching, how it impacts our lives, and how we can be part of spreading God's Word and evangelizing. So, Nancy, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, thank you for being here. So tell us, tell us about you. Sure. So I'm Nancy. Um, mm-hmm. I have a podcast too called Catholic Sprouts. And uh, my podcast is really short. It's only five minutes a day. And we publish an episode every weekday. And we call it a tiny little dose of catechism for kids every day because I am the mom of six kids. And um <laughs> I had the luxury of watching my older sisters have kids before I did. And standing on the outside, I just kind of assumed that raising Catholic kids would be easier and like more organic than it turned out to be. It turned out that catechizing my kids was difficult because I would lose my temper or the baby needed a new diaper or, you know, it just wasn't like this natural thing to talk about the faith, at least not for me. And I felt like a huge failure. And um, I just really wanted something I could turn on for five minutes every day. And we all listen to it. We all receive a little bit of Catholic truth. And then we move on. Nothing like that existed. So I started a podcast for my own children, which we continue to listen to every single day over breakfast. While I'm, you know, asking them if they brush their teeth and scooping out oatmeal. And uh, it's been very popular. There's, I think, close to 10,000 families and classrooms that tune in every single day. And it just really speaks to the fact that, like, the struggles I was having in my home, I wasn't the only one having those struggles. So God is good to to use our efforts and to show us that our struggles. Well, and as a mom who's in a different place in life than you are, I'm an empty nester. So my kids are older. Sure. certainly relate. And even I was a Catholic school teacher. So I was in the middle of catechizing others. But 
can totally relate mm-hmm. in the home, it was much different and it was more difficult to catechize your own children. So what a yeah. beautiful ministry you have. Yeah, and it's it's fun. I enjoy it. You know, that's how ministries go, right? We do it for others, but we also enjoy it. So along those lines, I kind of became like an accidental Catholic business owner because, you know, oh, we like we had an idea for a Lenten devotional and then we ended up getting printed and selling it. One of my really early ideas when all of my kids were really little is an interactive rosary book that the kids could look at while we were praying a family rosary. And at first I like stitched those up laboriously. That wasn't, you know, sustainable for other people. So we ended up getting them printed. And it's just been kind of a fun journey in the Lord kind of working on my heart for the problems I'm seeing in my family and then kind of show, clearing a path for helping others with the same tool. So the name of your ministry is? It's all Catholic Sprouts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so anyway, so we do things for all, all different ages, but mostly kind of... Uh, you know, kids that are still at home. Um, and the latest project that we've been working on for the past two years is, like you said, addressing Catholic social teaching. Because a couple of years ago, we actually sat down with some of our like super users, some people that are really, really fa- big fans. And we just asked them, you know, like if you look out into the Catholic world, especially in the work of raising children, what's missing? What's this kind of like painful thing that you want, but you can't find. And resoundingly, people said that they need help addressing the difficult topics, the difficult modern topics that we're all facing. And I mean, that was two years ago. And I feel like in the last two years, it's just accelerated with how kids are being exposed to these topics so much younger. It's so much more in your face. It's so much more beautifully presented by the world. And it's just, it's just everywhere. And so unfortunately, I just think as Catholic parents, we can't keep our heads in the sand anymore. And we really do need to educate ourselves in the truth, but we need to have some sort of a tool to share with our children. Well, so many times the topics that you're talking about in the Catholic social teaching tends to get watered down. Yeah. And so I think this is so beautiful Let's talk a little bit about what is Catholic social teaching? Like, how would you define that? Sure. So the U.S. bishops, the USCCB, broke Catholic social teaching into seven big themes. The first one is the dignity of the human person. Just this idea that each person from a newly fertilized embryo all the way to a hundred-year-old person taking their last breath, that they are created in the image and likeness of God. And that forms our teaching on so many topics, again, from abortion through euthanasia, death penalty, but even things like slavery and pornography, because all of these things where we say, okay, if the, if we really believe that right. a person is created in the image and likeness of God, then they not only can't have their life taken from them, but they have a dignity that cannot be compromised. So it's like this foundational cement rock solid truth that the church simply helps us um, apply to all of these really difficult things. And especially, you know, like if you look at, for example, like the topic of pornography, 
our world is telling us is not a big deal, you know? Right. Like, I vividly remember, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I have seen every single Friends episode that was ever made. I come from that generation. And I believe there's a Friends episode where Joey and Chandler get free porn, right? And they're so excited and they don't want to shut the TV off. And that's like primetime television. That's in syndication for our children to watch. And the message is porn's not a big deal. It's exciting. It's cool. It's not hurting anybody, you know? And it's just like, whoa, whoa, that's not true at all. It is a massive violation of the dignity of not only the people on the screen, but the person viewing and any person that that person viewing is in relationship with. It's like a massive compromise of their dignity. So it's that's what Catholic social teaching does is it takes these super important truths that we know is just saying, yes, but it applies here. Yes, and it applies here too. So this so. past Sunday, I was, you know how on Sunday mornings, the local ministers come on TV? Yeah. And so there was a local minister on, I'm not even sure who it was or which church he was through. And it was on in the bedroom and I was getting ready for mass and could hear him speaking. He was from Nashville, and he Mm -hmm. was talking about lust and being really careful about your thoughts and where your thoughts can lead to actions, and which is, you know, my ears perked up because that's such life coaching, recognizing Mm -hmm. your thoughts and how they create your feelings, and then those feelings drive your actions. He was kind of poking at country music, (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was a really brave thing to do in Nashville. He was talking about, we sing these songs and we hear these songs on the radio and they're full of lust and they're full of, you know, all these sinful ideals, but yet they make it seem so appealing because they have this tune or this hook where you're just singing along and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just a song. But mm-hmm. it, this whole week, I've been listening to music thinking about that and thinking about how it's just, it's the norm. It's in these yeah. songs that we hum along with. So yeah. I relate to your friend's story. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> when we were putting this book together, um, we wanted this to be like a really complete tool because like, let's be honest, if you have a copy of the catechism on your shelf at home, you have all the answers. All the answers right. are there. Um, So I really don't think parents are like, hmm, I don't know. I mean, maybe like on issues that like new ones, like transgender, like we're all like, oh my gosh, what do I even say? But on most of them, we know. But the problem is, is that giving our children a list of like, don't do this, this is bad, don't do that, that we all know from our own experience as children that that's not a super effective way for most of us to conform our hearts to God's truth. That it really, it almost sometimes does the opposite, you know? And so we really were thinking, okay, how do we not just make this a list of rules or list of bad things, but we make it something that's going to appeal to people's heart? And so we, we laid out the truth. We feel like we have to start with the truth. But then in the next section for each of the 31 topics in the book, we then looked and said, okay, what is the lie? Like, what is the lie underneath this that is... Like that, that because Satan, all, Satan is the author of all lies. We all know that. Absolutely. And he's so crafty. You know, like even like what you said about country music, he's like working in all these ways. I'm going to get children singing about, you know, premarital sex and like they don't even know that they're doing it. 
you know, it's just so sinister when you look at it all. But there's some things, like there's some of these topics where the lie was very obvious. Like, for example, abortion. It is a lie that an unborn child is not a human being. And we can prove that. That is a lie. Right. right. But for a lot of them, the lie is is lower. It's like it's hidden, you know? So, for example, with pornography, like what is what is the lie? And there's there's like layers of lies you have to dig through. Maybe it's not a big deal. That's a lie. I can use another person as an object. That lust is something I have a right to. You know, like all of these lies that you really have to like get to them and look at them straight on and be like, wow, there is this part of me that maybe I, maybe I reject pornography and don't use it, but like I can sort of relate to that. Like I feel like I have a right to that when I really don't. Or I objectify people in other ways. You know, when you look at Catholic social teaching from that lens, it becomes an exploration in just the brokenness of humanity. But of course, we can't stop there. You know, we say, okay, this is the truth. These are the lies. And then let's respond to that with the truth. And then the next section needs to be how Jesus speaks to this truth. Because the Gospels are so rich. And although Jesus never spoke on transgenderism and he never spoke on pornography, he certainly speaks on all the wounds that we carry as human beings. So, for example, transgenderism, like what's the lie? Well, the lie is this idea that I'm on this constant mission of self-discovery, you know, and like that I can be changing and and, and really like the world revolves around me and my journey of self-discovery. You know, Jesus speaks to the fact that like he knows us, he defines us, God created us. We are in the Father's hands. It's really interesting when you look at all of these topics from that angle that this sin is a deep rejection of my identity as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And it becomes this bigger hurt that I think when we know that truth, we can't just say like, you do you to someone. If we really love them, we have to say, you know, I love you. I see your pain. This is super confusing you are still a son of God. Like, let's renew that. Right. And when you talk about Satan's the father of all lies, another one of his calling card are division. And these topics create so much division. And we see that, especially when you look at, I don't want to stereotype young adults, but a lot of them are so kind and so generous and just want everyone to be accepted and yeah. to be loved. And you can understand where they're coming from. But yet, you know, when we speak out and we want people to know the truth that God gave them this identity, they're created mm-hmm. in his image and likeness, that creates division. You, and yeah. that Satan, like, weaseling his way into something that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always tell people is that, you know, with social media and TV and radio and everything, you have to give yourself equal airtime. You have Mm -hmm. to, if you're going to watch TV or listen to the radio, you also have to make sure you're also pouring in God's Word, you're reading Scripture, you're listening to faith-based podcasts, because if you don't, the culture becomes normal. Right. You're missing this other part. A hundred percent. And 
You know, one thing that was really revealed to me while putting this book together is that as Catholic parents, no matter how old your kids get, you're still teaching on these topics always. And our duty is to know the truth, to be informed. But in an even bigger sense, our duty is to teach what is beautiful. My oldest is just 11, and we have had to broach the topic of sex because it's He's at the age where he is going to be exposed to pornography if he hasn't already. But there's lots of different ways to talk about that. Like we can talk about all the bad and terrible things, all the ways that it has been perverted in the world. Or we can really talk about what is beautiful so that when our children are out there, and even if we don't get through all 31 topics in the Catholic social teaching list from, from the bishops, they can still say like, no, I have seen what is beautiful about a family. I know how sex is so good and beautiful in a marriage. And so seeing this counterfeit, like I can see through this. I'm not the the shiny veneer the world has given it doesn't trick me. And so I just think like that needs to be our guiding star. Yes, know the boundaries the church through her loving care has given us. But also look inside those boundaries and see what is beautiful right there. Like even on pornography, the human body is beautiful. It should be delightful and beautiful, especially the body of our spouse should be beautiful. It's not all dirty and terrible. Right. And like you were saying about division, we need to be very careful that we are proclaimers of what is beautiful And not just Puritans on the side shouting that other people are sinners. I really want my children, like even if they can't name all of the sins, I want them to be able to put their finger on what is good and true and beautiful. Absolutely. And I think it's important to remember that it's okay for our kids to have questions. It's okay for them to explore the faith. And what we want them to do is to take the truth and then create their own conscience, to take what's true and good. So just because they're calling something into question or wondering or exploring, those are good things, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your kids have left and they're out meeting people and having conversations that you don't have visibility to anymore. And we can only hope that what we gave them was planted deep enough in their hearts that it's sustaining them. And when we go through each of these topics in the book, we have the truth. We address the lies that come from Satan. We look to Jesus Christ from the Gospels to see, for example, like on the topics of dying, what do we learn from Jesus's final words on what death means? When Jesus's relationships within his family, how does that speak to our own call to family? But then we end each section with a witness to truth, which are the saints. We have such an incredible congregation of saints that every single one of these topics has a saint that lived through this. You know, Carlo Acutis, a modern blessed, he spoke to his friends about pornography. We have people across countries and languages and ages that have testified to the truth with their lives. Even for me, I feel like the saints are ageless, that it's really, you know, to hear the academic truth 
And then even to go into like this philosophical exploration of our brokenness in our souls by looking at the lies and then hearing gospel stories. Those are all very good, but we need that like lived example, that person walking before us, I think, to kind of get off our butts and do it and live it too. When you talked about you interviewed your super users is what you called them. Yeah. And Catholic social teaching came up. What do you think collectively was the hardest topic or the most difficult topic for them to teach and share with their children? That's a really good question. Uh, I think the one on everyone's mind right now is transgender. But I would argue that the most difficult one emotionally for all of us is actually same-sex marriage. Because, I mean, that really is everywhere. Like, you can't turn on a television without watching a commercial with a same-sex couple, like, right. even making coffee. You know, it's, it's everywhere. It's very emotional. It feels like a human rights topic. That's how it's presented in our world. I also feel that unless you've been educated on the actual topic of same-sex marriage and what our church says, it becomes an argument of homosexuality. Like that becomes what we're talking about. We're talking about should two men have a relationship? And that's not the topic for same-sex marriage. The topic is instead why God created marriage for men and women. And why it is his good and only plan that it should be just one woman, just one man forever. So same-sex marriage, if you look at what the church actually teaches, is much more closely related to divorce than homosexuality. Because we're talking about the institution of marriage. And unfortunately, transgenderism, of course, is very much in the legal, the legislative sphere right now too. But same-sex marriage is even more so. And I live in a state where it's legal and promoted and celebrated. And I'm not sure we'll ever win the legal battle, but we need to make sure that our children, for the sake of their own future relationships, that they understand. It's not just that we're all fuddy-duddy Catholics that want it the way it's always been. It's because the way it's always been is the way God created it to be. And marriage has always been, for millennia, the foundation of the family, which is the foundation of society. So I just think, you know, like when we actually step back and look at history, there's a lot at stake here. So to me, like that is one of the most at-stake topics in the book. And, And I think it's important as Catholics, because these are such hot topics, Mm-hmm. And they're breeding ground for division. And, you know, there can be conflicts within families. Yeah. As Catholics, we have to know what the church teaches, but we also have to see those church teachings th- through the lens of scripture, right? Yeah. We have to know about God's mercy and, you yeah. know, the love of Christ. And so knowing those teachings and sharing what we believe can also be done with charity. It can be Absolutely. done it can be done through love so that it doesn't come across judgmental. It's not our place to judge people who are choosing that way of life because they're good people. They have beautiful yeah. hearts. 
but it, it's our job to love them and to share what we believe in a way that brings them back, that shows Absolutely. them. I always think of the woman at the well. Jesus didn't tell her, you're wrong, you're a horrible yeah. person. It's, he met her in love and showed her how life could be different. So I think 100%. that's our responsibility as Catholic. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, I think that is the paramount responsibility. Because right. if we believe, like Scripture says, that God is love, then how can I represent any of his truths in a way that is lacking love? You know, it's like as soon as I lack charity and stop seeing the person in front of me and their wounds, right. then then I am no representative for Jesus Christ. We just did a big survey of our list to be like, okay, what topics do you struggle with on this big list? And a lot of people that we talked to were super well-informed. They all knew all this stuff. But I just feel like there was a couple of really intelligent people that were like, I, I know the truth on all of these things. But what I really worry about is teaching with charity because the truth is so important. I know what's truth. The lies are so terrible. But yeah, like that does need to be front of mind for us all, especially with our children. Because if they if they hear even that little glimmer of like, mom's, you know, not, doesn't care about these people or something. They're just, they'll see a hole in it and just abandon that truth. So as we wrap up, tell us how we can find this new book. Sure. So Catholic Sprouts, head there. We'll make it easy. Word Catholic Sprouts. My hope is simply that this conversation uh, gives parents the courage to bring up these topics because no matter how old your children are, the catechism tells us that we are the primary educators of our children. Absolutely. And I know I'm 41 years old. My parents are still challenging me to step deeper towards the truth every day. And so with or without this book, whatever it is, these topics are still things that we're all reeling with and making up our minds on. So be brave and have those conversations because we learn the heart of conversion has always been conversation. And I think conversations between a parent and a child, no matter what age, are the most powerful tools for conversion. We need right. to be brave because if we don't bring them up, someone else certainly will. Absolutely. Nancy, thank you so much for being with me today. Yeah, it's been a joy. All right, friends, stay happy, healthy, and holy, and I will see you again next week. God bless. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to catholicmomsinthemiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com.